Well, hello and welcome back to the Master Books podcast. Today is going to be excellent. I have Israel Wayne on the show with me to talk about his brand new Bible curriculum, Foundations in Faith. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go to masterbooks.com and check it out. It's for preteens and high schoolers, but it might just be for you as well. So let's dig in and find out what it's about and see if it's for you and your whole family. Welcome to the Master Books Podcast, where we bring you conversations that will strengthen your biblical worldview and the faith of your family. I'm Jennifer White, publicist at Master Books, a division of New Leaf Publishing Group. As host of this show, I'll be opening the doors to the Master Books family library of books, authors, and curriculum. For over 45 years, our company has been about one thing, ink on paper to touch eternity. In a world increasingly at war with God, we are publishing to partner with you to disciple your family, the church, and the nations. Well, hey, Israel, thanks for coming back to the Master Books podcast. It's great to be back with you. I enjoy talking to you every time we get the chance, and I'm just so excited that your family is doing well. You are a homeschool dad, right? How many kids? We have 11 children, uh, ages 22 down to two. We wow. have six girls and five boys and are very much still involved in the homeschooling process and enjoying using master books as uh, the main core of our curriculum. And uh, so, yeah, we're very much involved in this homeschool journey. My wife and I were both homeschooled and right. uh, we're homeschooling our uh, children, all of them from birth. So it's something mm-hmm. we're very committed to. Well, we are very thankful to be a part of your family's homeschool story and very thankful that you are a part of the Master Book story. You have published many books through us, including one that most people know about, Education, Does God Have an Opinion? One of my favorites is Pitching a Fit, Overcoming Angry and Stressed Out Parenting. Then you have Raising Them Up or Raise Them Up and then many other books. So what made you decide to go from writing books to writing curriculum? Well, it was actually uh, Masterbooks that approached me with the idea, and I'm a content guy, so Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with creating content, but to think in terms of how to lay out and outline a curriculum is very daunting for me, and so the great thing about having a team and working together on a team project, and this truly Mm -hmm. was, is that everyone has their strengths, and so we had some excellent curriculum developers and designers and editors uh, on the Masterbook staff that helped, and my wife helped to put together question sets, uh, which I'm not any good at. And so I just had to focus on the thing that I'm good at, which is the content. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said they really wanted to have something that would teach theology and Bible doctrine to students. Um, we arranged this, the, this was the publisher's suggestion, from like seventh grade through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. in terms of just reading and comprehension level uh, and degree of difficulty in terms of the concepts that are covered. Uh, but I was really pleased with how it turned out. You know, you always hold your breath uh, because, you know, there's always just the questions of what will this, the final product look like? Yes. And I was it, amazed it, it came beautiful. out beautiful and uh, just really well laid out, well thought out. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought the publisher did an excellent job of making it something that's very turnkey, um, that can be very either student directed or utilized well uh, in a group. Okay. Well, we're just so thankful for, as you said, the partnership that we all bring our gifts and talents and 
at Master Books, we have been about ink on paper to touch eternity for a long time. And I love that your project, Foundations in Faith, is definitely geared toward touching eternity. So what do you feel, what are you teaching preteens and teenagers in this book? And what do you feel the outcome of teaching them is going to be? Well, you know, I wrote a couple of books, uh, Questions God Asks and Questions Jesus Asks, which were really um, Bible studies for adults. And in writing those, um, I was, uh, so questions God asked based on questions God asked people in the Old Testament and questions Jesus asked based on questions Jesus asked in the New Testament. And if there's one Bible verse that I would say encapsulated those books um, and, and why I wrote them, because people ask me, why would you write these books? Uh, what, what do people, what's the takeaway mm-hmm. from them? It would be John 17, three. And okay. Jesus said, this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And that verse, I think in many ways is really the foundation for what I'm hoping students will take away from this book as well. Because I really believe that knowing God is the most foundational principle in the universe. Nothing is more basic than that premise of knowing God and everything flows out of that. And so when we know God uh, and we know who he is accurately and what he's done in time and space and history, especially through the Lord Jesus Christ, then we can't help but have a sense of awe and of wonder and adoration and love and worship. And out of that then flows a desire to serve God. And of course, the way that we typically serve God is by loving and serving others. Mm-hmm. But I think that sometimes we skip over some of those steps in that process and we want to have an, a life application to everything that is external. So mm-hmm. I think some people think of a curriculum like this, like what would be the main purpose? Well, we want your students to be able to be equipped to be missionaries or to serve other people or to, uh, you know, to be more committed to, to giving or to worship or something like that. But all of that is down down the river, so to speak. It's it's downstream from knowing God. And so I, I feel like the main thing that I want students to come away with with this curriculum is that they actually know God and yeah. that this drives them, of course, back into Scripture. It's not a replacement for Scripture, um, but that it helps them to truly understand who God is and then how God has revealed himself uh, and his attributes and his nature and his character and then his plan of salvation and how that's unfolded and, and been revealed in the scripture, um, that they really become solid in that. And in becoming solid in that, it will help to protect them against error. It will help protect them against falsehood, against mm-hmm. cults and false religions. Uh, and so there's a kind of apologetics element to it as well, teaching them Good. how to defend their own faith. Um, and there's a certainly uh, towards the end of the book, a life application where we talk about spiritual disciplines of prayer and worship and Bible reading and giving and service and all of that. So we don't want to be like James talks about the person who simply hears the word and walks away and it doesn't impact them or change them. But I don't want to skip over this important part of us truly knowing God, not merely knowing about God, but knowing God. Uh, because everything else in life flows from that. And so that's my hope. That's my prayer with this curriculum is that students will come to know God 
in a more profound and deeply personal and intimate way. I love that. If we have that foundation, then we can go out and serve and serve with strength and be able to stand in the day of evil and serve, you know, survive the attacks that come. So I'm so thankful that you are giving what the book calls it a foundation. You're giving a real foundation. And like you said, to just focus on the life application, it's important, but it is down the road. And so I'm so thankful that I'm so thankful both of us are partnered with a company that takes care of the foundation and is giving so many people roots that go down deep into God's love, into the truth of God. So tell us about the doctrines. I know that it's been described as um, a systematic theology and a Bible doctrine um, curriculum. So tell us about the doctrines you have included, that they are learning, and then the things that you've chosen not to talk about in this particular book. Sure. Well, of course, we start with the, the doctrine of God, right? Who is God? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we also have a strong emphasis at the beginning on uh, the authority of Scripture, because if you don't believe that God exists, then obviously you don't believe in Christianity. If you don't believe that the Bible is the word of God and that it is inspired and infallible and inerrant, uh, then you don't know what parts of the Bible to trust and which parts not to. So we talk about the importance of um, knowing that the Bible is true and that the Bible is God's word. And how do we know that? And so we give students um, some some good arguments for why they can be confident that this is not just the opinions of mere mortals, but this is actually the breath of God, that the word of God is the breath of God and the revelation of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, the doctrine of God. We have the description of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we talk about the attributes of, of God and his nature and character. Uh, we talk about um, Jesus' divinity. We talk about the virgin birth. We talk about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, we discuss um, uh, a section in the book that is it's usually not introduced unless somebody goes to seminary, uh, but it's a, a Bible doctrine or concept called hermeneutics. Yes. And uh, I, I usually uh, joke to people and say that this is the study of people named Herman. Uh, <laughs> but But actually, it is the study of how do we interpret and understand the Bible properly in its correct context. Mm -hmm. So we have 15 principles of biblical hermeneutics that we take them through uh, because a lot of people uh, don't understand that there are different genres of literature in the Bible. Uh, They don't know that you read Psalms differently than you read Romans and you read Romans differently than you read Revelation Mm -hmm. because they're very different types of genres, different literary formats. And so they're to be understood differently. Got it. Um, they're just questions that people have about how, when I read a passage in the Bible, how do I know if this directly applies to me or if this directly applied to only someone at that time who it was being spoken to? And mm-hmm. how, do, how do I know how to apply the scripture to my life? So that's included in the book. Um, we also have a section in there where we talk about um, the doctor, doctrines of justification, what that means, sanctification, mm-hmm. what that means. And then we talk about some of the ordinances, or some people call them sacraments of the church, communion and baptism. Mm. And uh, then we talk about spiritual disciplines. So again, those ideas of how do we apply um, the word of God in our everyday life through acts of service, through giving, through uh, worship and 
and reading the scripture and prayer and, and evangelism and so on. And so there are whole uh, segments that are dedicated to the practical life application as well. We don't want it to just be merely academic where mm -hmm. people get a lot of head knowledge, but don't do anything with it. We do want there to be life application. Uh, we just don't want to skip over uh, the, the important elements of, of truly understanding God correctly. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's also a section where we talk a bit about church history. Okay. Um, this is something that in modern contemporary churches, we tend to ignore and we sort of act as though we were just dropped here in the 21st century. And we're really the only people who have ever existed as Christians. Mm -hmm. And so we have to reinvent everything from square one. And we don't mm -hmm. actually, <laughs> there's 2000 years of church history and we can learn an awful lot from the past uh, because Christians throughout all ages, true Christians, um, have endeavored to understand the scripture and apply it rightly. And at times they've even had councils and meetings where they have gathered to say, okay, there are these new ideas that are being promoted um, that we believe are contrary to true biblical faith. How do we refute this? How do we answer these teachings that we believe are false or some of them that we think are dangerous or even heresy? And so these councils sometimes met together and created creeds and confessions where, which are basically kind of like a statement of faith where they say, this is what we believe and this is what the uh, Bible teaches. And then they give scriptures that support those views. And so there could be times where people say, well, we don't believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead. We just believe that he spiritually rose from the dead. Well, that's a, big difference. And it, yes. it actually, you know, as the Apostle Paul says, it matters to salvation because as he says, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then our hope is in vain. And we are of all people most miserable and we're still lost and dead in our sins. Mm -hmm. So that's a doctrine. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a doctrine that impacts salvation. And so these, these councils would meet at times and would create creeds and confessions mm -hmm to say, no, we can't say that Jesus merely rose spiritually in some kind of ethereal way. We believe the Bible teaches that he physically rose from the dead. And here's the evidence of that. You know, Thomas mm -hmm. touching his, his handprints and touching his side and Jesus actually eating food after his resurrection. This is not a ghost. This is a physical Jesus resurrected mm -hmm. from the dead. And so um, we talk about some of those historic documents of creeds and confessions and then catechisms, which are a series of questions that churches uh, and parents have throughout church history, ask students. Um, and, and maybe we get today, you know, in contemporary Christianity, we may feel like, oh, isn't that some, you know, weird Gothic thing from centuries past, medieval something or other. But it really is just asking children, uh, who is God? Who made you? Uh, how? Uh, what does it mean to be saved? You know, just the basic questions about Christianity, and it gives the students the opportunity to answer and to give scripture to support mm -hmm. their views. And so there's great value in a lot of those catechisms. And we're very clear in the curriculum that none of those things, and the, and the confessions themselves say this, that none of these documents or uh, creeds or statements of faith, if you will, are superior to scripture. Right. Scripture is the final authority to everything and everything has to be matched up against scripture. So mm -hmm. we constantly push the student back to scripture, back to scripture. Um, but we also feel that there's value in knowing our history and knowing that people have wrestled with these same questions we're wrestling with today for thousands of years. 
and to see how how did they uh, struggle through it and and what scripture verses did they come to that they found answered those questions. Mm -hmm. So we do have a strong emphasis, uh, not just on apologetics, but on church history. Um, and, and the systematic theology is really the idea of teaching the Bible and the core doctrines of the faith in a very systematic way so that students understand that there are ideas that build upon one another okay. uh, and lead us to certain outcomes. Mm -hmm. And then I know that you included very important like primary doctrines and there are yeah. others that you chose not to include. So talk about that a little bit and about that decision. I think some parents are very nervous about handing a workbook to their student because, especially related to Bible doctrine and theology, because people realize that there are lots of different denominations and there are lots of different isms within Christianity. And so some people have concern of like, well, concerns like we don't know exactly where Israel Wayne lands theologically. And what if he isn't in the same kind of church that we're in? Or what if he yeah. doesn't share the same kind of theological bias that we do? Um, we're not sure that we trust this curriculum with our teenager. And I just want to reassure and affirm parents that I'm a strong believer that we don't go around parents to try to indoctrinate their children into little isms. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a dad of 11 children. And mm -hmm. if someone were to try to bypass me and, and go to my children and start teaching them some kind of sectarian doctrine, I'm going to have a talk with them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, look, you know, I understand maybe you mean well, but well, we're a family. And so, you know, you can talk to us, uh, you know, as a family, uh, but don't go around me to try to persuade my child toward your particular set of mm -hmm. beliefs. Okay. Um, that's just disrespectful. I wouldn't do it to you. Don't do it to me. And so I feel that same way with this curriculum. So what I, what I do is I say there's core or primary doctrines, which are things that have always been held true by all true Christians throughout 2000 years of church history. And if you believe something other than those primary doctrines, you're not a Christian. Mm. And so, and, and let me give you some examples of those, um, that God created everything, uh, that the Bible is the word of God, that Jesus lived a sinless life, that he is the son of God, uh, that he died on the cross, was buried uh, for three days and rose again and ascended into heaven and is returning again. Like these are some of the core doctrines that are essential uh, for salvation. And if you believe in something other than that, then you don't believe in Christianity. You believe in some weird aberrant religion that is not historic Christianity. Mm. And so those are core and, and those um, are not in dispute and they're not debated. Right. Um, and sometimes people say, well, one of the evidences that Christianity can't be true is that we have all these scores of denominations and different churches who have all these different beliefs. And, and we have one Bible. So, you know, if, if, if the Bible is true, then we wouldn't have all of these scores of different groups who believe different things. And so this means that the Bible is false. What I do in the curriculum is I kind of turn that argument on its head and say, actually, no, we have had phenomenal unity over 2000 years. Hmm. And all true Christians have always agreed upon the fundamentals. And there's been almost no debate on those things. Very little debate. And those the debate that has come has come from aberrant groups outside of Christianity, like Islam and so forth, or other other groups that are not Christianity. Uh, and so so actually. 
So all true Christians have always believed the core doctrines. Where we disagree is on the secondary doctrines. And so you take things like where I talked about these ordinances of the church, uh, communion and baptism. The way that I approach something like that is to say, all true Christians through all time have always believed that baptism and communion were important acts of obedience for the life of the believer. And all true Christians have always practiced communion and baptism. Mm -hmm. Now, where Christians disagree is they disagree on what age you have to be to take it. Do you have to, how long you have to have been a Christian? Do you have to go through classes first? Do you have to be a member of a local church in order to take communion or to be baptized? We disagree on method of baptism, uh, those kinds of things. That Those secondary issues are where we have disagreements as churches. And what I say to the student is the Bible is our final authority, but obviously Christians have different understandings of how we apply, say, communion and baptism. So what I want you as a student to do is talk to your parents. Ask your parents, what do you believe the Bible teaches on these issues of what age you should be baptized or what form or method of baptism? And then talk about it as a family and then go to your local church, look for your church's statement of faith. If you're part of a denomination, look at your founding documents of your denomination and then ask, does our family actually agree with what our church believes? I think you'll be surprised that many times families don't even know the statement of faith in their local church. Mm -hmm. And sometimes going through this process, they may find doctrines that are held to by their local church and they may say, hmm, well, I didn't know our church actually believes that. Uh, we don't necessarily think that's what the Bible teaches. And then as a family, I say, if that happens, what do you do? You go back to scripture because scripture is the final authority. And so I'm very respectful of the role of parents. I'm very respectful of the role of local churches. And on issues where Christians disagree, I believe that high school students and, and children, where I'm not marketing this to young children, uh, mm -hmm. but, but seventh grade through 12th grade. Right. I believe these students need to go to their parents and to, as a family then, go to their local churches and have these conversations and then go back to scripture and say, does this match up with what the scripture teaches? So, so again, you know, all true Christians through all time have always believed that Jesus is coming again. Mm -hmm. That's a core doctrine. We disagree on when, <laughs> and yes. some of those questions related to, you know, what that looks like. Um, and so those become secondary and Christians disagree on those things. And I'm, I have no desire as an author and Masterbooks has no desire as a publisher to push a particular ism on those secondary issues. That's not our goal. It's not our desire. Um, we would say you as a student need to search the scripture. You need to talk about it as a family, study the scripture as a family. Go find out what your local church teaches and what your mm -hmm. denomination teaches. Um, do you agree with that? Is that what you believe the Bible teaches? Mm -hmm. um, and then go back to scripture and say, okay, does what our church teach match up with what the word of God says? Uh, and you finally base those decisions on the word of God. So in those secondary issues, um, we will mention the fact that not all Christians agree on this and that Christians have different viewpoints on these issues. And we send people, the students back to the parents and the local churches for teaching on those more divisive sectarian type issues. The same thing with Calvinism, Arminianism, all those mm -hmm. kinds of questions. The church has debated that for 500 years and uh, we don't have any intention of trying to solve that within a, 
Bible doctrine curriculum. We sure. believe the local church is where you go uh, and have those conversations about those issues that have kind of split the church down the middle. You know, half of probably all uh, Protestant evangelical churches hold to an Arminian view and half hold to a Calvinistic view. Our intent in this curriculum is not to try to sway students to a particular ism, but we do want them to be educated on what those issues are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we don't take sides, if you will, on those issues, because we don't think that's our role. We think that's your role as a parent uh, to teach those things to your students. I love that. So tell us a little bit about the assignments and how the curriculum is laid out so the student does learn these things. And also, I want us to make sure we talk about one of my favorite books, as I've mentioned before, Great for God, and how you've incorporated that into the curriculum. So um, it's a five day a week course and 36 different weeks. So there's going to be five lessons per week, 36 different weeks. And the first four days are really based on content that I've created. So you will read through some content that I've written, and then there will be question sets um, that help with comprehension and to help make sure that the student really is retaining and understanding the material that is being uh, taught certain activities. There will be a certain amount of writing, not too much writing, um, because I'm a homeschool dad, and I know that my students uh, always roll their eyes whenever they get too much writing. Um, <laughs> but we have a little bit of that. And then the fifth day is where the publisher selected a book that they published, uh, Newleaf Press, the the sister company of Master Books, uh, published this book, Great for God. It's not a book that I've written. It's written by a different right. author. But it basically has profiles of missionaries and Christian leaders who have uh, done some pretty extraordinary things by the grace of God and through the power mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. And so we're really excited about being able to have that as part of this set, uh, because I, again, I think there's so much value in us learning, not merely from scripture, but from church history and from the lives of, of great men and women of God who have been used powerfully by the Lord. And in my life, I've been very uh, profoundly impacted by biographies of Christian heroes mm-hmm. and so forth. So this is a great book that a lot of people don't know about, but it has uh, some very inspiring stories. It will make a great family read aloud. And so uh, every day, fifth day, um, they're going to read a chapter from that book and then have question sets that go along with the material covered in that particular book. So it's Mm -hmm. supplementary. Uh, Some parents have asked, well, do we have to use that book? You don't have to if you just wanted to buy uh, the workbook of Foundations of Faith and just go through this as a four day a week course um but the, the book is like ten dollars you know and the ebook yeah. on master books is like six dollars right so it's not a big investment to uh, get the great for god book and, and i just feel like your family will be enriched and benefited by that material uh in and of itself um it's been a book that i've promoted uh for a while through our ministry family renewal mm-hmm. and so I, I encourage families to use that as part of the set and Absolutely. Uh, you, can either, you can either get one book that your whole family uses and passes around, or mm-hmm. I know a lot of parents that just want each student to have their own separate copy, so they're not having to, you know, share and pass back and forth. But either way, uh, it's available. And I, I guess I also should say about format too that this is available as a a workbook. It's a mm-hmm. consumable workbook, and so the idea would be one workbook per student. Okay. But if you are group teaching this as a homeschooling parent, and say you have four teenagers at home like I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one possibility is there's an ebook version of this on Masterbook's website. And so if you wanted to, you could purchase the workbook as an ebook for one low price. And I have 11 children. So actually thinking down the road, like economically, yes. for some people, that could be a really good investment 
And then if you're able to just print off the worksheets, put them in your own three ring binder, uh, that can be a very economical way to be able to go through this course with a, a large family. Uh, for myself and with our, our family, you know, these are pretty affordable, really. Masterbooks always keeps their prices very low. Yes. So we just purchase one, you know, I'm actually having my children, I have uh, four of my teenagers that are going through it right now. And, um, which is a blessing. Praise God for that. You know, just even as a dad, like I'm so glad to have this resource. I wish I'd have had it when I was 17. Me too. It would have been life-changing for me at that time. But but we bought workbooks for each student mm -hmm. uh, just because um, we don't want to go through the hassle of having to print it. But mm -hmm. I just wanted people to know that is an option from sure. an economical standpoint that you, you can do that. And, um, you know, if you have access to a high-speed printer, that might be a good cost-effective way for you to go. Absolutely. Well, we always love to end the podcast with a prayer. And I love that you have included uh, the discipline of prayer in the lessons. And I, again, love that you've included Great for God because Great for God shows the end result of our faith. You're giving the foundations of faith within this course. They are building that foundation so they can stand, but also faith without works is dead. And so in Great for God, you're learning what that faith produces and yeah. how it's impacted the world through humble individuals who just simply said yes to God. And so I want to encourage everybody to use the book along with the curriculum and also Absolutely. use it as a devotional or as a gift. And I do also want to thank you for taking the time to write this curriculum to provide this i can't imagine how many generations are going to be impacted and i pray that hundreds of thousands of families will take this course and i and we've already with the reviews we've seen parents say man this is something i want to study i'm glad to be teaching this i am glad my students are taking it but it's great for a new believer it's great for me it's a great refresher because we can get lost in the weeds of the secondary arguments and lose sight of this is what we all believe. This is this unifies us. And, you know, what are we if we are not unified in the body of Christ? Yes, I'd like to just um, you know, before we close, I'd like to say a couple of things. My, my private secret hope with this yes. has been that parents would actually buy this for themselves, mm. because I know so many evangelical adults who grew up in church. Um, maybe went to Sunday school, went to youth group, and they're saying like, I really don't even know systematic theology. Yeah. And this is not a systematic theology course. It's an introduction to systematic mm -hmm. theology. So I don't want to misrepresent it. But uh, parents say like, I don't even know this myself. Well, you can't pass on to your children what you don't have. And so I would strongly encourage um, adults to consider getting, getting it and going through it. It's not simplistic. It's not childish. Right. So I don't think you're going to feel, you know, embarrassed going through it because um, it's it's serious. It's scholarly. It's obviously written so that a seventh through twelfth grader can do it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not going to be too difficult for you. Uh, but it also is not written in a childish way. It's it's written in a serious way that I, I think an adult could go through it and benefit from it. Um, and, and even if you have younger children. Um, I think it's appropriate that this could be used as a supplement for family devotions and family worship as well, sure. where you could read the lessons, even if you have younger students and you don't want them filling out all the, the questions, you could read it aloud as a family and just go through it together. 
uh, even if your children are younger and, and they may not understand all of it, but they'll understand mm -hmm. a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, I get a lot of requests. Um, you know, the, it's a brand new curriculum, but people are asking, can we use this in a youth group? Could we use this in a Sunday school class? And I absolutely believe it could be now because it's five lessons per week and 36 weeks, mm -hmm. um, the students would end up having to do some homework on their own. Mm -hmm. But absolutely, I think it can be a small group um, Bible study. Again, even like for a, a new believers discipleship class in a yes. church that, that are adults, uh, I think mm -hmm. it's very appropriate. I've had some people contact me, say that they want to use this with prison inmates that they're discipling. I love that. Who want to learn about the fundamentals of Bible doctrine. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of applications for this outside of just, you know, a homeschooling format. Uh, where this workbook can be used. And so um, I, I strongly encourage people to consider to think outside the box a little bit. If there's someone you're discipling, uh, had a lady order one yesterday and she's discipling a young woman who is new to the faith. Uh, it's an adult, but you know, a young lady and this older woman bought one for this young woman that she's discipling because she mm -hmm. felt like it would be appropriate for her to, to get solid on what the Bible teaches and what the core doctrines of the faith are. So um, I'm excited about people using it in those ways as well. Absolutely. And thanks again for the time you and your wife put into this. And I want to also honor the people at Masterbooks who took a lot of time and had the forethought of this is what we need. This is what we want to supply the body of Christ and made it happen as a team. So thank you to the whole Masterbooks team, including you and your wife. And if you would not mind, please pray, end us with a prayer um, over those who will take this course of the Masterbooks family. Absolutely. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not hidden yourself from us, but you have revealed yourself to us through your word. And we can come to know you in a deep and a profound and personal way. And God, we thank you so much for these families who are seeking to disciple their young people, their children and teenagers. We pray, Lord, that you would give them courage. Uh, we pray that this resource would be a powerful tool that would be used by you to reach the hearts and minds and lives of these young people. Lord, I just ask you that you would, by your grace, through the Holy Spirit, use this curriculum that maybe hundreds or even thousands of teenagers would come to know you yes. uh, in a real way and, and would be saved and would submit their lives and their and surrender their hearts to you. Uh, we believe that that's your will. And we've written this with that in mind, uh, that they would really come to see the beauty of the glory of Christ and the, the beauty of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, I just pray that this would be a tool that would truly uh, leave a mark for eternity. I thank you for the faithfulness of Masterbooks and producing it and making it available and being willing to uh, see a need and to fill that void. And Lord, I just uh, commit this to you. We thank you for uh, those that are listening. We just, again, pray for their families. Uh, we pray that you would show yourself strong on their behalf um, and that uh, you would reach their child's heart and and even their heart, Lord, and just uh, give give them a new uh, understanding of just how truly good and how wise and how holy you are. And we just commit this to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 
Amen. Thanks to everyone for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Israel. We will see you all back next Monday when the podcast comes out. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for joining the Master Books podcast. This was fun, and we are really glad you were with us. We invite you to check out masterbooks.com. We have a big library of books that will feed the faith of your family. And hey, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.